Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mom and Dad are Fighting is brought to you by BowlandBranch.com, offering luxury bedding at affordable prices. Order right now and they'll give you 20% off plus free shipping. Get sheets, towels, blankets, duvet covers, and more at BowlandBranch.com. That's B-O-L-L-A-N-D. B-R-A-N-C-H dot com and use the promo code mom and dad. And by Little Passports, inspire your kids to learn about the world with a subscription to Little Passports. Mom and dad are fighting listeners can save 40% on their first month today with the promo code mom and dad. Learn more at littlepassports.com slash mom and dad. And by Green Chef, a new food delivery service that makes cooking easy with consciously sourced healthy recipes, and organic ingredients. Get four free meals with your first order when you go to greenchef.com slash momanddad. The following podcast contains explicit language. Hello, and welcome to Mom and Dad Are Fighting, Slate's parenting podcast for Thursday, April 14th, the Positive Opposites edition. I'm Allison Benedict, an editor at Slate and the mom of Harry 7, Sam 5, and Wally 3. I'm Dan Coyce. I'm also an editor at Slate, and I am the dad of Harper, who is 8, and Lyra, who is 10. Hi, Dan. Hey, Allison. On today's show, we'll talk to the owner and chef of a vegan preschool about how that works exactly. Then Dan and I will debate the latest child psychology trend in parenting discipline, which is basically do not punish your kids for bad behavior. Also, parenting triumphs and fails, a listener email about whether or not to tell another parent that their kid is difficult, and for our Slate Plus segment, Slate Features editor Jessica Winter will join us to reveal parenting triumph or a fail. But first, announcements. 
If you are a fan of the show, there are three, count them, three easy things that you can do to help spread the word about mom and dad are fighting. Thing number one, you can hack into your community's emergency broadcast system and alert like everyone in town, like in a 75 mile radius through uh, sirens and TV crawls and push alerts on their phones that a new episode has arrived and they should listen to it. Two, you can tell a friend. Three, you can like our Facebook page, which you can find at facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Those are really the three most convenient ways to express your love for mom and dad are fighting. So give them a try. Remember, one uh, tell a friend to Facebook page three, hack the emergency broadcast system. If, Back to you, you Allison. The, if you hack the emergency broadcast system, then come to our Facebook page and tell us about it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Tell a friend about it, too, probably. <laughs> Trying some fails. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah, do So it. my fail this week will, I think, ultimately turn out to be a triumph. Um, we'll see. Oh, the time that's will my tell. favorite kind. Yes. Okay, but for now, it's a fail. In short, I have, to some degree, been praising and encouraging Harry for being quite argumentative. He's become extremely persuasive, and that means he's also extremely mouthy and always has to have the last word. And lately I've been listening to Harry and John argue about things, and it's like listening to John and John argue about things. And (laughs) it makes me really proud, uh, but also it's exhausting, and I don't want him to be the kid who always thinks he's right and will argue to the death to prove it. Uh, so, you know, at times I've gotten angry with him and I tell him he's being disrespectful to like speak to me as if we're peers. Um, but at other times, for instance, this past weekend when he convinced the basketball ref to count his team's shot, even though it clearly went off after the buzzer, I'm totally psyched and I let him know it. And now it's become part of his identity. Like my encouragement has made this part of his identity. He's really into seeing himself as this great arguer. And he'll say like really assholey things like, I should be a lawyer, right? I'm going to be a great lawyer, which is so obnoxious. So I need to nip this in the bud for now, I think. But later in life, I'm assuming it will serve him well because he will turn out to be just like you, Dan. He will be a great lawyer like me. Uh, Wait a minute. So he convinced the ref to count the shot even though the shot shouldn't have counted? Yes. I was there. It happened. I'm bragging. I was really, really proud. And he was like extremely proud. And he won't stop talking about it. Uh, yeah, but I so, think like this part of his personality, which is, you know, it's a, it's not easy to have a seven-year-old who always wants to um, fight you on everything and thinks, you know, if he hangs on, he's going to eventually win. Uh, it's not great. It sounds like a fucking nightmare. <laughs> I mean, like, I don't understand how you aren't driven crazy all the time, but more power to you for raising such an annoying future adult. No, I mean, I'm calling it a fail. I'm calling it a fail. <laughs> but... Uh, but you're really you don't actually think it's a fail. You are incredibly proud of this. I mean, I do kind thing. of think it's a fail in that I see that he sees me like he saw he and John were having like a really, you know, they were arguing again, like they were peers in the mudroom this weekend. And he saw me laughing and like he could tell he knew and like he and so then he like kept it up and he ended up getting the last word and slamming the door in John's face. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, that's not cool. Like he can't do that. So. I think I do need to sort of like explain to him. I don't know. I need to talk to him about like this is great and maybe one day you will use these skills to your benefit. But right now, you know. Like this is a crazy idea, but would it be worth it to introduce like more formal 
debate rules to him, like so that the thing that he get that so that the pleasure he gets out of it isn't from having the last word and slamming the door, right? But in like crafting arguments and like thinking really hard about someone said and coming up with a perfect answer. Maybe like, that's a slightly more reasonable set of skills to foster. That's actually a good idea. Maybe to like maybe there's like a middle school debate club for next year. I doubt it though. That would be third grade. I guess it's not. Middle please school. send the about. slate. He should join the middle school debate club, though. He'd be fine. Uh, okay, John, go ahead. John should have? also join the middle school debate club. Yeah. Uh, I have a fail. Uh, right. This is a long-standing fail uh, that I'm presenting today because I'm vowing to solve it. I'm definitely going to solve this stupid fail that I have that has like been going for years. The fail is socks. I hate folding socks. I hate matching socks. I hate dealing with socks. I fucking hate socks. Socks fucking piss me off. So, in our house, all the socks, every sock that our children own, plus most of my socks and most of Alia's socks, are just sitting in a laundry basket on top of the dryer, just unmatched, just in this basket, overflowing from the basket, falling on the laundry room floor. Uh, It's just 10 million random socks in a basket. Some of those socks, I think, have been in that basket for over a year, I think since, since like last spring, maybe. Uh, And you just keep buying new socks? No, well, so sometimes that's a solution. Mostly it's just that every morning, like, one of us goes downstairs and we, like, paw through that basket for five or six minutes until we find two socks that have something to do with each other and we bring them upstairs for the kids to wear. And and although there have been two different times where rather than, like, dealing with that anymore, I just bought a bunch of new matching socks for each of the kids. And now all of those new matching socks are in the laundry basket (laughs) with all the other socks. So, So our kids have, like have done without just like a proper drawer in their room full of matching socks for so long that they have like adapted to it. You know how like how like animals that live at the bottom of the ocean have adapted to life under immense pressure. So our kids have done that now, but with socks. So Harper has convinced herself that wearing two unmatching socks is cool. Like that's her style because she never has matching socks. And Lyra has just given up on socks completely. She, just has, she hasn't worn socks in months now. Even on the coldest of days, she will not wear socks because there are never are any. So, well, they could go down uh, and paw themselves, right? They could find socks. They know where that they could. Is. It, but like, it would it would take them twice as long, even as it takes me. And why should they have to do that? It's like it should not be that hard to match up some fucking socks. So, anyways, this is my fail. This is my vow. I will fold the socks. I will fold the socks. I'm not going to do it tonight. I don't have to. I don't have time tonight. <laughs> This weekend, I'm I'm pretty busy this weekend, and I don't know that I'm going to get to it this weekend. But I I'm definitely, mean, I'm definitely going to do it r- extremely soon. I think you need to make this like a thing. Like you need to have them invite some friends over. You need to have music on, beer, milkshakes for the kids. Like make it like a party. Get through as many as you can. Dump the ones that have no match, and then from now on, make it their job to match their own socks. That is a great idea, but there's no way I'm going to let my kids be known at school as the kids who had the sock party. Why? No way. No way. That's like a recipe for disaster. <laughs> Wait, Anne has a solution. Anne, say, talking to the mic. Yes. Dan, it's it's Anne, your producer. I actually have a solution that somebody told me once. Just buy the same socks so you never have to match them. So just, like, get a pair of, like, I don't know, cheap Costco black socks, and, like, that's it. Then you're done. But those are the only kind of socks that they're allowed to wear. But then that becomes cool. Yeah, I think that's you a know? great idea. 
Yeah. Yeah, that's a definite option, but that but I'm it would be great to find an option that isn't buying yet more socks. No, and I like, mean obviously if, you're never gonna the, do this. If you're trying to like if you're saying you won't have a sock throwing party because you're worried about your children's reputation, you're never you don't actually care about this. You don't want to fix this. So if you have enough money to buy a bunch of black <laughs> socks, dump the basket. Buy new socks, all the same. That's a great solution, Anne. Thank you. Can, can I burn them in the backyard? Can I burn the entire basket of socks? Would it be cool for your kids to have a sock burning party? Would that be that like, would, be would cool, that make actually. them popular? That would make them popular. Okay, let's move on. Mom and Dad are Fighting is brought to you by Bull and Branch. There is one important thing you can do to help ensure having a good day, and that's getting a good night's sleep the night before. Sleep well on nice sheets from bullandbranch.com, where you know you're paying for quality sheets, not department store overhead. Bull and Branch sheets are extremely soft, durable, and a set costs only a few hundred dollars. Bull and Branch also has really cute crib sheets and baby blankets, which I hadn't noticed until recently. I just went to their site today to check them out. Uh, I love the cottontail crib sheet. Very cute. Go to bullandbranch.com now to try their sheets for 30 nights risk-free. If you don't love them, send them back. Also, listeners, you can get 20% off your entire order, sheets, towels, blankets, duvet covers, everything, plus free shipping. Just go to bullandbranch.com today for 20% off. Use the promo code MOMANDDAD. That's B-O-L-L and branch.com, promo code MOMANDDAD. Okay, back to the show. All right, let's move on to our first segment. Slowly but surely, Harper, my eight-year-old, is becoming a vegetarian. For a while, she declared herself a vegetarian who only eats meat on buns, which is to say not really actually a vegetarian at all. But she is moving away from that now, too, and into full-blown vegetarianism. But the problem is, what do you serve a kid who won't eat meat but also isn't all that into vegetables either? The Wall Street Journal recently featured a pretty remarkable preschool in Jersey City called the Scandinavian School that is now serving its students an all-vegan menu. It really seems great. The video especially was incredibly cute. And let's hear a clip from that video right now. Why do you put a lot of salt in the soda? I, I, it's too salty. We didn't put any salt. Well, we did put salt. A little bit. So this really made me think. Now, do I want my kid to be vegetarian or vegan? It seems sort of like a pain in the ass for me as a parent, but it also seems like she will be eating much healthier than most kids eat. But how would you get a vegan kid, for example, to eat something? So I thought I'd go right to the source. How does a vegan preschool get its students to eat anything? We are joined on the phone uh, from the Scandinavian School in Jersey City by the school's director, Maria Gamarud-Sharp, and the school's chef, Chef Manisha Mail. Welcome. Thank you. Thank you. So um, even before you guys as a school went all vegan, you were vegetarian. You opened, you started the school with that philosophy. Why did you start with that philosophy, and then why did you shift to veganism? Uh, we started vegetarian after having a conversation with our then chef, who was vegetarian. And um, I personally felt that as a school, uh, and as a Scandinavian school, we think a lot about our environment and uh it made sense for us as a school to have a, a small of a carbon footprint as possible. That's how we started vegetarian. I also had a two-year-old that I was very keen to make sure got more veggies than anything else. So it was a, a selfish, <laughs> selfish reason uh, for that decision as well. So then why did you shift to veganism? We 
um, about a year in, we had some vegan uh, families join us, and uh, the conversations, obviously, uh, during that first year continued to evolve, and um, when these children joined, we, for about a month or so, prepared separate food for them, and we really felt that it was a good time for us to transition to being completely vegan. So... I mean, this all sounds really great. It sounds very idealistic and wonderful, but it just strikes me that I really worry about how it would work practically. Like when a new kid comes to the school and doesn't like any of the food, what do you do? It it rarely happens, to be honest with you. I I have my now eight-year-old in a charter school, and when I look at what those children eat and what they don't eat and even if I send in my daughter's favorite food she comes home with her lunch box full I think that you know when I see our children that eat maybe two or three bowls of food and it's so rare that we have someone that does not eat uh, I think that when you're in an environment where everyone eats the same food they're part of making the food um, this is what has made for a really magical difference to be honest with you. That makes sense to me. I, I feel like my kids um, try new things and eat more diverse uh, meals at outside of the home, like if they're not with me, either whether it's like at another person's house and the person is cooking something that I don't typically cook or at school if they're having like whatever pesto with their lunch that they would never eat that if I had made that for them. So that, that does make sense to me that kids are more comfortable experimenting in that kind of atmosphere. So you talk about that they grow their own food. What what are other ways that you guys incorporate food into the curriculum, and, and do you think that helps get the kids interested in in how they're eating? Um, first of all, it's an open kitchen, and a lot of them are involved in the food process or the preparation. So, for instance, every day I have a child who will come in and ask, okay, what are we having to eat? And I'll give them the title of the menu, but also tell them, what are the components of it? So they are very hands-on with the food, um, whether it's growing it, harvesting it, uh, prepping it with me in the kitchen. So they they know the importance of where where it all comes from. Chef Manisha, what are some uh, what are like maybe two dishes that you make that are always huge hits that parents might not think of when they are thinking of how they can get their kids to eat more vegetables? Off the top of my head, uh, sort of, we have a Mexican-inspired quinoa bowl, and uh, another dish that they really like um, is we have on the menu this week is sort of um, a roasted tomato alfredo, and uh, here's where where the exciting part for me comes because I get to uh, make cashew cream to sort of um, mimic the. Um, uh, what would otherwise be a dairy product. So, and they really enjoy this dish. And I feel like there are a lot of favorites, really. Mm. So many. And so the many. soups. The soups are always big. <laughs> yeah, the next day they always ask, do we have any soups left over? <laughs> That's amazing. Uh, so, one of our Slate's writers, uh, Melinda Wenermoyer, she read about your school in the Wall Street Journal article, and she did a little research into, you know, the effects of a vegan diet on kids, and it, it basically seems like it's really good for them as long as you put in the work and attention to ensuring that the kids uh, get the full complement of calories and nutrients they need, which is 
hard to do. So do you guys, you know, how much do you think about that? Um, and how, how hard is it to cook in this way while at the same time making sure the kids get what they need? Uh, we uh, consult a uh, dietitian uh, who actually is a former uh, Scandi parent. She has a Master's of Science in Clinical Nutrition, uh, and she has helped us in addition to all of our uh, own research to make sure that, you know, we cover all the bases. And while the majority of our children are not vegan, we have many more that are vegetarian, you know, some for some of the children, they only have one meal here. But we, for for some of these children, they um, get more than their daily needs in, you know, just the food that they eat here, especially the children that are here all day. But then we can't forget that they also eat food outside of here. So regardless if they're vegan, vegetarian, or omnivores, they really do get such a wide variety of protein, of minerals, of uh, vitamins, probably more so than kids that, you know, don't don't come to this school. I, I think that in America, children lack intake of fruit and vegetables especially. So in here, they might have 10 different ones in a day. Well, and it's also prepared fresh daily versus something that may have been reheated or... So I think that we more than cover what they need, regardless of of the diet they have outside of here. All right. Well, the school seems really interesting. The food sounds really great. I would totally eat that uh, roasted tomato. Come over. So I'll be right over. Great. Um, it's a really interesting in the question. Sound like they're having a lot of fun. They are. Yeah. It's a, it's a, there are a bunch of really interesting questions here, and and I'm really eager to hear how the school does and whether this is something that spreads, whether this is something that more schools try out. Um, the school is called the Scandi School in Jersey City. We will post a link to the Wall Street Journal piece uh, and the video, which is incredibly cute, uh, on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Thank you so much, Maria and Manisha. Thank you Thank so you. much. Thank you. And listeners, uh, we want to hear from you, especially if you have vegetarian kids or even vegan kids. If you have some recipe that like really works, that is not just, you know, fucking pasta with cheese. <laughs> I want to know about it because we are sometimes at our wits end finding things for Harper to eat that are not the same thing over and over again. So please, we're gonna I'm going to post something on the Facebook page about this segment. Um, and I really would love to hear what you guys cook for your vegetarian or vegan kids that works for you. Okay, moving on. Mom and Dad are Fighting is brought to you by Little Passports. Inspire your kids to learn about the world with Little Passports. This award-winning educational subscription sends you monthly packages in the mail, or rather, sends your kids monthly packages in the mail addressed to them with their name on it. Each one features a new country or world theme, and it's filled with letters, souvenirs, stickers, activities, games, and more. It's a really fun way for kids to learn about geography and cultures around the globe and get them interested in the world around them. Mom and Dad are Fighting listeners can save 40%, that's 40%, on their first month today with the promo code MOMANDDAD. Learn more and take a peek inside the monthly packages to see what they look like at littlepassports.com slash mom and dad. And remember that promo code again is mom and dad. Back to the show. Okay, on to our listener call, which is actually a listener Facebook message. Normally, though, we take a listener call and try to answer it. Got questions? Call us at 424-255-7833. We want to hear from you. This week, though, we have a Facebook message from Missy who came to our Facebook page. Okay, Anne's going to read Missy's message. 
So there are three little girls on my block all around the age of six and seven years old, including my own daughter. Whenever all three of them are together, someone feels left out and it turns into drama. In having the girls play at my house most often, I've noticed how the three get along and seen patterns. One of the girls, let's call her Jackie, is usually the girl on the outs if there is an argument, and it is for a good reason. She's rather negative and puts the other two down when she feels threatened. If she doesn't get her way, she pouts and goes home, and basically she seems less socially mature than the other two. I've heard her tell her mom that my daughter called her a loser. She did not. I was there and that my daughter and the other girl are mean and leave her out intentionally. But from watching quietly in the background, this is not really the case. Anyway, my question is, her mother, who is lovely, spoke with me the other day about the troubles the girls have been having, and I wanted to know what I'm allowed to say in this situation. Should I be honest? What I want to say is that her daughter is not easy to hang out with and needs some serious social skills training. If it was my daughter, I would want to know these things, but I live next to these people and don't want to damage our friendship. How honest can I be? Hey. Hi, Missy. So um, we wrote back and forth a little bit about this as well, but it was such a good question that I wanted us to talk about it on the show in public. What I suggested in my message to you, which I still pretty much stick to, is I don't know that I would feel comfortable telling a neighbor that like especially at this age to tell a neighbor oh your kid needs social skills training i feel like that would feel presumptuous to me and also it seems like there's just no way for for like your relationship with a mom to successfully navigate through that i just think if i was a parent and someone came to me with that i'd be i would basically write that person off whether my kid was friends with them or not um and it also just seems to me that this is something that your kids are gonna get out of. But Allison, I would like to know what you think about this. Yeah, I think the main reason not to go to the other parent, um, in addition to what Dan said, is that it's actually not going to help the situation. Like, even if that parent reacted well, I don't think I don't know what the parent could then say to her daughter or do to change that dynamic. She's not going to be like, cheer up and start being having better social skills. Like, it's not going to actually help the girls. Uh, so I think my advice would be to try to orchestrate um you know, to some degree to understand that three girls, like this is what you get with three girls together sometimes. I don't think it's so unusual. Um, and I bet there are some dynamics that maybe, you know, as much as you are seeing it at your house, there might be some dynamics that you're not seeing um, that implicate all the girls in various ways. Um, and I think it's important for you to keep an open mind um, that that is a possibility. But also um, you can do things like, I actually went to a friend of mine who has struggled with a similar situation with her daughter and she was suggesting, and I think these are great suggestions, doing things like keeping play dates to two or four kids at a time, never three. So there's never like one that's left out, um, not do a three person sleepover. Um, and then also if like, if there's a problem and there's fighting, like everyone has to go home, not just the one who's like the cause of it. So that it somehow kind of hopefully spreads out both the love and the blame uh, between the three of them and motivates them to, you know, work it out. I also just think, I mean, as Allison said, this is sometimes what you get when you put three girls together, especially girls at this age. I think girls at this age can really have a lot of trouble navigating a more complicated three-person relationship. That's just tougher than a one-on-one interaction. Um, One other suggestion I would give is – to, I mean, obviously, part of the whole point of play dates is that you want your kids to be able to play with each other without adult interaction or supervision or uh, interloping. But I do think that when we were in a situation like this and Lyra had a group of two friends who we really liked and who she really liked a lot of the time, but the three of them together, like, 
could be toxic to each other for some period of years, we found that one great way to handle it was to really include in every play date one just sort of adult-led activity or adult-facilitated activity, baking something together or drawing something together or playing a game with an adult included in it. And that helped. The kids were much less likely to sort of pick at each other and get in those fights when there was an adult interacting with them. And it helped, I think, in the end to develop a rhythm of better behavior on their part and help them get used to the notion that they could be together without always fighting, like not thinking of that as the only way they could interact. That's that's great. I also think, you know, we're um, I bet we get some notes in by saying that this is like typical of girls and, and not boys. And I do think that this happens with boys. I don't think that it happens as uh, frequently, especially at the age in the age range we're talking about. But um, but it does. Last thing is that I think it's great that the mom, the other mom has come to you and you like her. So although I don't think you should be honest with her about exactly what you think uh, of her daughter, I think it's great to have like open communication with the with the parents of these two other girls. So you guys can all be on top of it. Right. You know, it's like when we had this issue with Lyra and her two friends, it wasn't like it was a secret between the parents. We would talk about the fact that they were fighting. We noted that we would do our best to sort of um, address it. But we also were all very conscious of of the ways in which our own children were culpable and in the ways where no child was really culpable because they're just six-year-olds and they yell at each other sometimes. And I think that that is helpful. Okay, great. Thanks for the question, Missy. If you have another question for us here on Mom and Dad are Fighting, give us a call at 424-255-7833 or, as Missy did, send us a message on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash fighting. Okay, let's move on. Picture this scenario. Your five-year-old child is told repeatedly not to touch the volume control on the stereo. He doesn't listen and repeatedly touches the volume control on the stereo. Then one day he really touches the volume control of the stereo, turning the volume all the way up, scaring the crap out of everyone in the house and possibly ruining John's beloved speakers. You punish him, right? What a hypothetical scenario. (laughs) Wrong, says Alan Kasdan, director of the Yale Parenting Center and prominent child psychologist. Another scenario. Your 11-year-old daughter wants to go to her friend's house. You tell her she can't go until she finishes her homework. She calls you a fucking bitch. You totally, definitely, really punish her, right? Wrong again, according to Kasdan, who in a recent Atlantic interview explained how timeouts, grounding, and other time-honored forms of punishment do nothing to change a child's behavior and instead recommends developing what he calls positive opposite behavior. Dan, what the hell is that? (laughs) Thank you for asking me. I'm so glad you asked. (laughs) Uh, It's really hard to understand. Like, as best as I can tell, it seems like the idea is that Discipline, the concept of discipline, is shouldn't be about punishing bad behavior when it happens. It's that discipline is created throughout a kid's life by praising good behavior before the bad behavior ever occurs. Now, that can mean something as simple as, uh, you know, praising that 11-year-old girl on the occasions when she is polite and kind to you and really pointing those out and pointing out the way that that facilitates making the family happier and, and better. It can also mean for something like, this mystery five-year-old who touches the, the volume on the stereo, it means sort of like building scenarios in which you place him in front of the stereo and do a little bit of play acting and then praise him expansively uh, and also reward him with attention and affection for listening to it at a reasonable volume like a normal fucking human being who doesn't turn the stereo up to 11. Most of all, as far as I can tell, it seems to be about relinquishing the idea of having 
power over your kid and expressing that power through discipline. The line in the interview that stuck with with me the most that Kasdan said was, parents are very frustrated because they think they don't have any tools that are effective, so they, they use power instead. And power just makes things worse. Does this make sense? Yeah, I mean, that does make sense. I found um, reading this interview, like the thing that is hardest about trying to implement this, because I mean, we've heard this before, and he's actually been talking about this a lot before, but it seems incredibly time consuming, especially with with younger kids. Like the example that he gave in the Atlantic piece was um, not just like play acting, sitting in front of your stereo with a volume control, but actually play acting tantrums. So like setting off a pretend tantrum and then telling your kid to like, have basically to pretend to have like what is an acceptable tantrum, um, like don't hit you, don't throw your body to the floor, just like I guess freak out to an acceptable level for a three year old or whatever, and do that like I think it said it will take about three months. Is that what it said to work itself <laughs> out? Uh, and yeah, then when he yeah. actually has a real tantrum, he'll sort of he or she will make the connection to that. Um, you know, other pretend tantrum that went okay and not like go off the rails and have a 45 minute tantrum instead. I mean, I believe him that that works. I just don't know anyone who can actually, I mean, all if you put together all the time that we all spend punishing our children, I'm sure it adds up to far more than three months, right? Uh, but to actually have to do it in that like condensed and thoughtful way seems overwhelming. It seems really hard. Well, I mean, one of the things he says in that interview is that is that what he encourages parents to do, and in fact, what he said, what we train parents to do, is to always be looking for those moments when your kid is is performing the behavior that you want the most out of them, and be ready to like jump on that and praise that uh, and reward it in some way, and and like the amount of attention that requires at every second is daunting. It's totally daunting, and it really reminded me actually of. Um, my fail from a couple episodes ago when Lyra complained to me that what she said, you never notice when I'm good. You only just ever notice when I do something bad, but I'm good almost all the time. And you only yell at me about the bad things. And that is, and I, I struggled with that a little bit and it seems tied to this question, right? Because it is true that the message a kid gets when the only, especially when the only reference you make to their behavior is on the one out of every 11 occasions that it's bad, uh, is that you're only paying attention to that stuff. And I can totally see why turning that around could fix that. But it also means that then you're, but if you turn that ratio around, it means you've got to be like on the stick every 10, like 10 times out of every 11, you've got to be commenting on your kid's behavior, which seems like awful. <laughs> and it goes against every natural instinct, right? The way that we relate to each other as adults, even like, you know, someone does something bad at work or something, you know, so someone messes up and you tell them about it. And well, right. Nobody, and you don't, no one you, gets praised for like, you know, Dan, you're doing such a nice job speaking into the mic right now. Good job. Right. You don't praise people for meeting like the minimal acceptable level levels of behavior, which is essentially what this is. You don't praise people for like being fine at their job. Uh, you praise them for something exceptional. And right now I praise my kids when they do something exceptional. Uh, and I pray and I discipline them when they do something bad. Uh, but they do things bad way more often than they do things exceptionally here. So I agree that it seems like impossible. That doesn't mean it's not worth trying. And yeah, it doesn't I, it mean it doesn't me like, work. I bet. Yeah. It does. And there's there's surely some middle ground, right, where you instead of ha- thinking about it being like, 
oh, God, I'm going to fix all my kids' behavior problems by praising every single fucking thing they do. Maybe the way to employ this in my life, for example, is to pick like the one thing that particularly bothers me that punishment has not solved, Um, whether it's, you know, Harper being stubborn and arguing about stuff like some kind of uh, debate champion or Lyra failing to use utensils at the table or something. You pick one thing and you say, okay, we're not going to use this with everything. But with this thing, we're going to keep an eye out for times when Lyra behaves politely at the table or even we're going to create situations in which she's allowed to and we're going to like praise her extravagantly and see how it goes. Like I could totally see that working and I'm willing to give that a shot. If you think back, uh, I don't know what sorts of – you're probably out of timeout phase now, right, if you ever did timeouts. But if you – or maybe you're not. I don't know. What do you? We, I mean we do like informal – there's informal timeouts, but we don't really call them that anymore. But like the concept of let's – Dial everything down and everyone separate out for room. a moment. Yeah. yeah. So so thinking of all these years that you've been doing that sort of disciplining, which is exactly what we do as well, has it changed any behaviors? Like, has there been any success? I have no idea. Like, I, you know, I think that a timeout has never seemed to me to be about uh, changing behavior in the short term or in the long term as much as it is halting the situation in the short term. Like a timeout is what you do when shit is getting out of control and everyone just needs to get somewhere else and like not be in each other's face for five minutes and give everyone a chance to like calm down. Right. That seems like that's the purpose of a timeout. Uh, One thing that Kazan also said that really rang true to me is that um, it doesn't work to reason with your child. Like he doesn't say don't reason with your child, like don't explain things to your child. He thinks that you should because it's good for their IQ is what he says. But it will just like never, (laughs) ever, 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 ever in a million years convince them to alter their behavior. Are you going to stop trying? No, I'm sure (laughs) I'm not. I'm sure that I'm still going to try and reason with my kids because they're human beings who live in my house and I want to like do that. I want to be able to do that sometime, even though he's right. It almost never works. Here is, here is what I think is the biggest problem with this model. What the fuck do you do when they are misbehaving? If your kid calls you a fucking bitch and you're following the Kazan model, what do you do? Do you just like walk away? Do you say, you're right. I am a fucking bitch. You do nothing. I mean, I think that's what he said. I know. That's what I said. It goes against every sort of, instinct that you have as a human being that what like how do you do that and what and so like the worst part to me what do you do if you're like in public or you're with other people you're with friends like the idea of my kid misbehaving like obviously in public and me just standing there and not reprimanding them with people everywhere watching or their friends or their friends' parents watching is, like, horrifying to me. Well, How su- the hell would you ever do that? I suppose it doesn't mean you don't, ha- you don't, you don't have to not do something. You just, it's just not going to make a difference. Like, you can say something is what, you know, but it just, it's not actually going to alter the behavior. I mean, and it sort of relates, not in public necessarily, but it sort of relates, like, what you're told when your kids are really little is just, like, ignore the bad behavior because they're looking for a reaction, right? So I can see that with a teenager. Like, I didn't even hear you call me a fucking bitch. You're not going to get a rise out of me. I mean, I'll never Uh, succeed at that, but. No, um, no, I I would love to be there the day that that happens to watch you try and. The other thing with teenagers, this is my favorite thing to come out of that casting piece, which was a piece in Teen Vogue uh, last week (laughs) with the headline, make your parents read this and you may never get grounded again. (laughs) 
<laughs> which is to say that older kids are going to be smart enough to, you know, not respond to these, as they call them in the Teen Vogue post, Jedi mind tricks. Uh, they're going to know <laughs> what we're up to. So I think the moral is that you can't win. Right. That, the moral is definitely that parenting is a zero-sum game and you're going to lose no matter what. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'd love to hear from listeners on this. I mean, everybody struggles with discipline. Uh, I've talked at length. I mean, we've talked about it many times in the show. I've talked at length about like trying various, you know, one, two, three magic or whatever without actually reading the book and none of it working. And ultimately, like a lot of things just working themselves out as your kids age. Um, that's, you know, I think people have varying degrees of of behavioral issues that they have to deal with and try to correct um but yeah I w- i'd love to hear from listeners about what they do if they think they could employ this method if they've tried it right if us. anyone has like actually trained with dr kasdan and like has mastered it i want to fucking hear from you because i want to know what it's like to live in the world's most perfect household i also really like that experiment that you suggested maybe we should actually have like maybe we shouldn't put this on the actual podcast but maybe we should actually do that, like launch that experiment and have like our listeners participate in it, like choose a thing and try this with their kids and see how it I goes. I think that would be great. All right. We're going to launch on Facebook. We're going to launch our official positive opposites challenge. We're going to try and come up. Each of us, Alison and I will choose one particular behavior on the part of one of our children uh, to use this specific technique on. We want you guys to commit in the comments to trying it too for some particular behavior with your kids. And we're all going to check back in and share our incredible stories of success on facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Awesome. All right, moving on. Mom and dad are fighting is brought to you by green chef. It's spring, which means that it is of course far more beautiful outside. It's time to celebrate nature. It's time to exercise after not exercising all winter. And it is time to eat healthy, delicious food. Allison, uh, Alia and I have embarked on an April challenge with a bunch of our neighbors. We all put in uh, 20 bucks into a pot and then everyone keeps track of their exercise and healthy eating over the course of the month. And whoever does it the most gets the dough. Wow. So far I'm losing, I'm losing, but I'm, I'm not in last. Uh, but so there is a new food delivery service that makes cooking healthy food at home easy with consciously sourced organic meals and ingredients called Green Chef. With Green Chef, you can choose meal plans like vegetarian, omnivore, paleo, carnivore, or gluten-free, and you get fresh ingredients sent right to your door. Green Chef saves you time and gives you peace of mind by doing the research for you, selecting organic, sustainable ingredients that are good for you and for the environment. They take care of the planning, they take care of the measuring, they do the prep work so that you can whip up an amazing meal in about 30 minutes. Green Chef is offering our listeners four free meals with your first order at greenchef.com slash mom and dad. That's G-R-E-E-N-C-H-E-F dot com slash mom and dad. Give it a try. All right. Recommendations. Dan, what do you got? Uh, Happy 100th birthday to Beverly Cleary. It is her birthday today, the day we are recording, Tuesday, um, and she is turning 100. While I, of course, knew all about the Ramona books from reading them when I was a kid and reading them to the girls and Mouse and the Motorcycle and the many, many great books she has written for little kids, um, thanks to Slate's own Ruth Graham, I now know about the books that Beverly Cleary wrote about teenagers. Uh, Ruth wrote a really great piece for Slate, which we ran Tuesday this week, uh, about Cleary's mostly forgotten first love books, which are books written about 14 and 15-year-old girls. Um, 
for an audience a little bit younger than that. Um, they're written in the 1950s and 1960s. They're called 15, The Luckiest Girl, Jean and Johnny, and Sister of the Bride. Uh, and working with Ruth on this piece, I've read these some of these books now, and they're very charming. They're very romantic. They're really, really, really square in a kind of refreshing and delightful way. And I actually think that um, tween girls of a very certain sensible disposition will love them a lot, like kids who loved Anne of Green Gables, kids who love sort of stories of of – Times of propriety in the past will really enjoy this very particular view of like 50s and 60s teenage girlhood. Um, Lyra does not have a sensible disposition, so I bet she won't like them. But I think Harper will love them when she is a little bit older, when she's like 10 or 11. Uh, we'll post a link to Ruth's piece on our show page and on our Facebook page. Uh, it's a great piece. You should read it and you should check out these Beverly Cleary books. Uh, the First Love series, 15, The Luckiest Girl, Jean and Johnny and Sister of the Bride. How about you? Great recommendation. Um, I'm going to recommend an artist uh, at a really great bakery in Maplewood called Abel Baker uh, that I often work from now that I don't schlep into Brooklyn every day for work to our new office. Um, they have staff portraits, like everyone who works there has a has an illustrated portrait on the wall, and I love them so much. So I emailed this woman whose name is Lara or Lara Tomlin. I'm not sure how I pronounce her first name. Sorry. Uh, to ask if she also does family portraits. And, and and I looked her up online. She actually does a lot of illustration work for like The New Yorker and The New York Times and all different real places. But um, in addition to bigger projects like that, she does do family portraits and kid portraits. Um, and they're really just like great. I love them. They're beautiful. So I'm going to recommend her, uh, Lara or Lara Tomlin. And we'll put her, um, it's not actually her website, but we'll put a website that links to her work uh, on our Facebook page. I'm looking at it right now. I totally recognize it from the editorial illustration that she's done. Uh, she is really great. And the idea of getting her to draw your family seems so much better than like than like the Christmas portrait with you all in your sweaters in front of the tree yes, that you then totally. send out to everyone. It's much cooler than that. Yay. That is also a great recommendation. Okay, that's our show. Visit our Facebook page at facebook.com slash mom and dad are fighting. Send us an email at mom and dad at slate.com to suggest guests or topics. Mom and Dad are Fighting is part of the Panoply Network. Check out Panoply's full roster of shows at iTunes.com slash Panoply. Thanks to our producer, Ann Hepperman, and our intern, Shiva Byatt. Thanks to Steve Lichtai, the managing producer of Slate Podcasts, and Andy Bowers, head of Panoply. Thanks to our guests, and thank you, Dan. Thank you, Allison. Thank you all for listening. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.